Good morning, church. How are you all doing this morning? Good. Well, my name is Brian Bergen. I serve as the campus pastor in New Milford, as well as the young, young adult pastor here at Walnut Hill. It is a joy to be with all of you this morning. Uh, greetings to all everyone that's watching online or at the Derby or Waterbury campuses, and a special good morning to my friends at the New Milford campus. <laughs> it is a joy to be with all of you this morning. Today we are concluding on our, in our series called The Abundant Life, where we are on a journey to find out how we can find this life that Jesus promises us. Each week in this series we've recognized and honored a language. Today we honor all those who speak Mandarin. Mandarin is the official language in countries of China, Taiwan, and Singapore, and it's spoken by around one billion people on earth. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> uh, this morning, we are all gonna say the abundant life in Mandarin together. Who's ready? <laughs> First, a quick shout out to my friend, Johnny Zeng, who's a part of our young adult ministry. He's been training me for the last probably two months, and I think I've been more nervous about this part than the actual delivery of the sermon, so uh, bear with me. I hope I do it justice. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm going to say it to you, and then we will count, I will count down, and you're gonna say it back to me. Uh, the spelling will be on the screens to help out. So here we go. In Mandarin, the abundant life is pronounced Feng Shang De Shang Ming. Ready? One, two, three. It's pretty good. How did that sound? Good? All right. <laughs> Great job, everyone. Like I said er earlier, we are concluding our series today on the abundant life by looking at how we can find abundant life in the next generation. To start off, I would not be here if this was not a church that poured into the next generation. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about my child here at Walnut Hill. I was dedicated to the Lord here in 1996, and on the screen you'll see a picture of that. Uh, by the way, my mom, I, I called her last minute and asked her to go through probably piles of scrapbooks to find this photo, so thank you, Mom. Uh, but there I am, and my older brother, Philip, is holding my dad's hand there. Uh, this next picture, this is me singing my, my heart out at some of the, maybe a concert here. Hands lifted, heart abandoned, worshiping God. Or I might have been knocking the microphone over, I'm not sure. Uh, but the childhood here at Walnut Hill was significant for me. And I just wanna just say, do you guys know how every mom has a story that they tell about their kids that uh, maybe is a little embarrassing? You all agree with me, yeah? It, it's, it's, I feel like it's everybody. But I was talking to my mom and she loves to bring the story up that I'm about to tell. And I agreed to tell it this morning because it has to do with my upbringing and Walnut Hill here. So one of the activities in kids ministry was we were gonna, we have to make this bird feeder. And so basically we would take bagels, we spread peanut butter on it, and then we put bird seeds on it. And we would attach a string and then we would hang it from a tree and we'd watch birds come and eat it. So. I guess one night I snuck out of my room, uh, went down to the kitchen and took that bagel and I ate it with the bird seeds on it. <laughs> and I guess my mom woke up and saw just the string sitting on the table and she was very, very, uh, very scared so she ended up calling Mrs. Boss, the children's uh, <laughs> worker back then and uh, she, she assured my mom there was nothing poisonous in there. But, uh, 
I wasn't sure if the story was gonna land this morning, but I promised my mom I would say it, just because it's embarrassing. So, uh, moving forward, I graduated kids ministry, even though I ate that bagel. Uh, I move, let's move on to middle school. And one day in middle school, this youth leader walks in. And it's a good, he's a good guy, right? But my friends and I, we were like, this guy's not gonna last long. And I remember us like coming up with a plan, like how we can maybe embarrass this guy a little bit, or I'm, I'm not sure what it was. But do you wanna know who that youth leader was? Now youth pastor Greg Flower, okay? Who has been here for almost 20 years now. And man, was I wrong. So let's give it up for Greg for sticking it out. I remember sitting right where you guys are this morning, and if someone were to have told me that I would be up here preaching a sermon on a Sunday morning, I would have called you crazy. And probably a lot of the youth leaders would have agreed with me. Uh, if any of them are out here, let's hear it. Yeah. <laughs> but this is exactly what we are talking about this morning. Taking someone that needs to be guided and invested in pouring time, energy, and emotions into them so that they could grow in faith. Me being a young adult right now, I know that most of the time my generation will not take that first step to get help or to get guidance. But this is, this is what we, we, we know is that Paul talks about this in Timothy. It's our first point. Paul sought out Timothy. Paul took the first step into Timothy's life. And it says in 2 Timothy one five, I uh, remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. Paul may have recognized that Timothy needed a spiritual father to help him on his faith journey. We know that Timothy's father, it says he was Greek. Uh, we don't know for sure if he wasn't a believer, but I, I, I don't believe so because of this verse. He, he recognizes that it came from his grandmother. This faith came from his grandmother and mother, and it was passed on. But Paul recognized that this young man needed a spiritual father to help him on his journey in faith or even to allow him to see ministry uh, in action. And I'm gonna, tell, I'm gonna tell you a quick story. About six years ago, my grandmother and grandfather, who were missionaries their whole life, passed away within days of each other, and it wrecked me. And I remember that I remember uh, just being very upset. And one night, Jesus came to me in my dreams, and I saw his nail-pierced hands held out, and I woke up gasping for air. And from that moment, I was lit on fire for the Lord like never before. I grew up in kids' ministry, youth ministry, and I, I had learned about this God, but in that moment, it clicked for me. I recognized who Jesus was as my savior, and I was gonna devote my life to following after him. After, not long after that, I decided to take the membership class, the starting line class here at Walnut Hill. And Pastor Adam was, was teaching that, running that class. And after the class, Adam sent me an email, not maybe, maybe a couple days later, and I'm gonna read it for you. So this is from Pastor Adam. After I saw you at the starting line class, I had a thought that I wanted to run by you. I had the sense that you were in a special season or moment in your life. You've referred to this before, but I saw a hunger in you for God and could almost sense that he was preparing you for something. I wondered if you would ever like to grab breakfast to chat a bit about life, what God is saying to you. No pressure, but I'd like to support you in your journey any way that I can. You know, I picture that email as the conversation between Paul and Timothy. 
Paul knew that Timothy, he was well thought of amongst believers, but he took, Paul took that first step to reach out to him, just, just like Adam did to me. And what that initial reach out led to was Timothy being launched into ministry in a powerful way. And although it's a much smaller scale, much, much smaller scale, what Adam's email did for me was that it led me on a journey that didn't end up with me being the New Milford campus pastor or the young adult pastor here at Walnut Hill, but it started me on a journey of obedience to the Lord wherever he was calling me. And I can't thank Adam or all the other pastors here at Walnut Hill enough for, for taking me and guiding me on this journey the last uh, six years now or, or more. Adam's reach out led me to meet with Pastor Craig Horn, who helped me guide me in evangelism. It led me to meeting with Pastor Brian Prue, who taught me how to be a leader in the church. And it met me, it met me with Craig Mowry, who after taking the Follow Jesus class, advised me to go back to school to get a formal degree in Christian ministries. All along the way, these, these pastors came alongside of me, they walked with me, and they, they, they challenged me to take that next step in faith. Church, we must not walk around with blinders on when we're walking around in here. There are people here, young and old, that do not have spiritual fathers or mothers, maybe not even earthly mothers or fathers, and they desperately need it. And if you, if you wanna find this abundant life that Jesus is talking about here, seek out the next generation, you will find it. And we're gonna go into that more in depth. I had the honor and privilege to sit down with Bill Beatty, who's been such a big part of our church. And he, Bill founded the Jericho Partnership Mentoring Program in 1997. And I've been hearing about this over, over the last couple years. And I've wanted to find out more about what started that passion for seeing mentoring for the, for the next generation. And he told me about how his life was radically changed when his chemistry teacher and youth pastor both devoted themselves to pouring into him. Bill's family never had gone to college, but Bill was able to go to college on a football scholarship because those men poured into him. And the rest is history. Bill, Bill was launched on this, this mission to see that uh, children were poured into and discipled and brought along on a journey. And Bill, thank you so much for sitting down with me and telling me your incredible story. In our conversation, Bill said, and I quote, they did it because it was something they could add to my life. That's an incredible heart posture to have. What can I add to someone's life? Sometimes, uh, here's some things that we need to be cognizant of when we're looking at discipling someone or mentoring someone. So, sometimes we try to get them to look like us, speak like us, we, or act like us, and that's not it. We're not trying to make spiritual clones Right? We are trying to take someone with the gifts that God has given them, empower them, equip them to go and be used by God in the way that God has made them to be. But our job is not to make someone more like us. It's, it's to help guide someone to, to look more like Jesus. And another thing for us to look, look out for when we're discipling or mentoring is that we get introduced to someone and boom, we go right to correcting them. And I know it's easy for young adults, but... Uh, we cannot do that. Uh, this is why I love the model the Jericho Partnership has with their mentoring program. It's called the Loving, Modeling, and Coaching System. And I'm gonna go through it real quick and some of the notes will be on the screen. The first step is loving. Simply showing up is the first step in a loving relationship. Unconditional presence is the primary way of communicating love to someone. 
When we show up and then disappear when things get tough, what does that tell that person? Surely we can learn from Jesus' example in his unconditional presence even when we reject it. The second step is modeling. Experts tell us that we retain 5% of what we hear, 30% of what we see, but 75% of what we see and do. Church, we must be a church that acts out our faith and not just talks about it. Look at the statistics of the retention rate. If we wanna see this next generation just lit on fire, if we wanna experience this abundant life that Jesus offer us, offers us, we must be a church that, that both says and does the word of God. And in that, when you, and, and then the last step is coaching. You've, you've shown the person you love them by showing up. You've modeled what a Christian uh, should look like and, and the way that they should act. And now can begin the coaching process. Okay, the coaching process, you've, you've, you, you're able to uh, correct someone in love. You know the person, you love them, you understand where they're coming from when they do make a wrong decision or they, or they, or they have a wild thought. You, you understand them. And what we do sometimes is when we, when we correct out of just seeing what is done wrong in the person, we, we tell them, like, we, we just see you as your action, the wrongdoing, instead of we seeing you as a human being. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, friends. We've all missed the mark. We've all been led astray in some points. And so when we are talking to others, when we're trying to equip others, we must correct them out of a place of love. And by following this model, it, it works. And this model takes time. This isn't a, this isn't a one, day, one day solution here, right? Unconditional presence takes time. We should be lifting up this next generation, not discounting them because of their age. First Timothy chapter four, verse 11 through 12 says, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, in your purity. Paul must have felt this abundant life Jesus is talking about when he was able to encourage, equip, and send Timothy to go help lead a broken people. And we can have that same abundant life feeling as well. Paul didn't see Timothy being younger than him as a hindrance to the work that needed to be done. And this leads me to my second teaching point today. Paul saw Timothy as a son, a brother, and a coworker. In 1 Timothy, Paul says, I am writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's coworker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith. Paul saw Timothy as a son, a brother, and a coworker. Are we looking at this next generation as brothers, sons, daughters, sisters, as coworkers in the preaching of the gospel, or are we looking at them, are, are we looking at them like they're a project that once we get them good enough, when we get them educated enough, when we get them polished enough, then God will use them? No. God is going to use you and this next generation right where they are. That's not saying that there isn't correction along the way or, or coaching, but God will use people in their brokenness. They are gonna use, God is going to use you in depression and anxiety. He's going to walk with you. He's gonna show you what to say. He's going to move in power in your brokenness because it is not by our own strength that we do anything but in God's. 
Mark 10, 13 through 16 says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the children scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me and don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his, hand, his hands on their heads and blessed them. Are we looking at this younger generation with the eyes of the father or are we seeing them as a bother to society? Jesus didn't see the children as a bother. He saw them as a blessing. And the youth can teach the older generation a lesson in faith. When Jesus said we must have the faith of a child, he was not joking. And I'm gonna tell you a quick story. Last year, my son, he's, he's four years old right now, he came to kids camp here. And he was learning about Jesus and Peter walking on water. And what, that night, we, my, my wife was giving him a bath and she left to get a towel or something. And she came back into the bathtub and there James was on the corner of the bathtub with his feet hovering over the water trying to see if he could walk on water. I'm not joking. And Jamie asked, what are you doing? And he said that he learned he could walk on water in church today. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? I want that faith. I want that abandonment of my own understanding in what is possible and impossible. I want that mindset that no matter what this world tells me, I'm going to follow Jesus outside of my comfort zone and, and, and do what he's asked me to do. I see that passion and, and that drive in this next generation. And, we, and what we need to do is we need to rally around that, not suppress it. We need to give opportunities to this next generation to grow in faith. We need to allow them to make these mistakes and learn from them so that they can move forward. Since taking over uh, running this young adult ministry a few years ago, I have done everything possible to give these young adults an opportunity to grow in their faith. Everything possible, even when it's been really hard, even when it's bit me back sometimes, it is still worth it. It is worth every second of it because I don't see this group, this generation as a project. I see them as uniquely made people that have been placed under my responsibility and I'm going to do, it's my job to not only prepare them for the future, which is what we like to focus on, but it's my job also to walk with them now and to walk them through what they're going through. To help them understand truth and grace so that when they go into their workplace or school, that they are equipped and empowered to go preach the gospel. And if that takes months or years to get them there, it's worth every minute of the investment because when we pour out into the next generation, they will also pour back into you and it will be a youthful energy and passion for Jesus that only can come from, these, from really an abundance, these young people. The, the abundant life Jesus is talking about can be found in the respect, in the respect and the empowerment of this next generation. A month or so ago, we had an evangelism training here at the church, and I invited this, I invited the whole young adult community to come to it, but I invited in, in specifically this, this young lady, and she is very shy, right? Very timid, but she is a blessing, and, and I've, I've known her for the last six years I've, as I've been walking in, in ministry, back starting at the New Milford campus with youth ministry, and so I've known her for years, 
But this year, something was highlighted to me. I, was, I, was, I felt like God was telling me that she was gonna lead someone to the Lord, and so she was gonna grow in leadership. And so I, invi- I invited her specifically to come, and, and she showed up. She showed up to this evangelism training, and then she came up to me after, and she said, I wanna start praying for people. I need to start praying for people. This, this might seem like a small deal, but to me, this is a huge deal. Because if you knew this young lady, if you knew her, 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 just her natural shyness, you would know that this step in faith came from God. That this, this, this abandonment of, of what she's comfortable with in pursuit of what God has asked her to do, to pray for people, that is a huge deal, friends. That is a huge deal. And this is what fills me up. Well, let me back up. I'm proud of you, Sue Lynn. Keep going. This is an example of finding the abundant life Jesus offers when we see the younger generation as coworkers. We get to see them succeed and grow in faith. That is what fills me up, right? At, you could look at everything that entails being a pastor, which, I, which I'm finding out very quickly is a lot, and I would take empowering and equipping people, that is, that is what fills me up. It's, 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 it's at the top. Everything else is good, but that's at the top. I love seeing people grow in their faith. And so this is, for me, the abundant life Jesus is talking about when we're pouring into the next generation as we get to see them grow in faith. And this is what our world needs right now, a reignition of the passion, the passion for Jesus and to see the gospel spread. That is the mission of not only our church in our mission statement, but the church as a whole. Acts 16, verse four through five says, then they went town to town instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Paul and Timothy went town to town to see lives surrendered to Christ. Lives transformed and it grew the faith of both them and the churches and the churches grew in numbers. This isn't a mystery model here. Right? Jesus spells out what we need to do as a church. And we can find that in the Great Commission, which is my third teaching point. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus was talking to all of us in that passage, not just pastors or or leaders of the church. He's talking to all of us. I did some research on discipleship in in this next generation and, and it's a little troubling, the results. On the screen, you're gonna see the pie chart and we're gonna go through it together. It's from Barna, and this is a group that does a lot of work on the next generation in discipleship. And these results are among Christians. It goes 28% are involved in discipleship. They are speaking life into others as well as receiving. 39% are not involved in the discipleship at all, not discipling others, not having anyone speak into their lives. 5% are only discipling others, and 28% are only being discipled. Now, you can look at these results from a broader perspective and say, okay, that's a lot of people discipling. We might be okay. But I wanna, I wanna bring back the focus, the field of focus here to this church, Walnut Hill. 
And so if we are going to use these statistics, it, it really means 40% of this church is not discipling others or receiving people speaking into our lives. That number grew when I, when I, when I fixed my focus onto our church. 40% of our church is not speaking to others or, or receiving people talking to them. We need to be a church that devotes itself into pouring into the next generation and recognizing that we need to be poured into as well. Every generation is the next generation. I know a lot of people, next gen, next gen, that means the young people, but even the old people are part of a generation that have been poured into. And we need to see ourselves that no matter what age we are, we need to be filled in, we need to be filled up. We need to step out as a church and care for our community. The younger generation isn't just a part of the church. It isn't the future of the church, it's the church right now. Right now, this next generation is the life of this church along with everyone else in this room. The gospel is spread generationally, right? I want you to look at this. And, and Pastor Jim Bray taught me this, this, what he called a dance. So I'm gonna try it out here. We'll see how it goes. Um, it start, the gospel, let's say, start, it didn't start there, but Jesus encountered uh, Saul, Paul, on the road to Damascus, right? Paul, now converted to Paul, then told Timothy, okay, here's Timothy, he's growing in his faith, and then he gets challenged and he tells those who are faithful. Next step, right? Those people who Timothy poured into are now pouring into other people, letting the gospel keep going and going and going and going. And then it ended up with my, with, with my grandparents hearing the gospel, and then my grandparents talking to my parents, and then my parents giving it to me. And now I'm giving the gospel message to my son. And it is my prayer that my son is used by God to, a, to times a thousand than I am. I'm gonna do everything possible to make sure James is raised in a family that loves Jesus and is just lit on fire to seeing the gospel spread. This is how we see lives transformed. It's generation after generation continuing to pour into each other. What will happen to the future? What will the future church look like if we lose that? What will happen to the future of the church if we stop losing the focus of, of why we are here? When we stop taking our children and raising them and discipling them and raising them in a way that, that, that honors God and to, and to raise them in a way that, that Jesus has asked us to or commands us to. It's a scary picture. The warning in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, I believe is, is, is starting today. It reads, for a time is coming when people no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. We need to pour into this next generation so that they can come against that bad teaching. We need to raise them in a way where they can stand for truth and for grace and, for, and to stand for Jesus against that bad teaching. I see my generation and, and many others are falling into this trap of new age theology, which is wrong and it's misleading many people to think they are following after Jesus when they're not. The way we can fix this is to ensure, ensuring this generation is surrounded by people with sound doctrine. But for my generation, we need to be willing to accept help and guidance from our elders who have gone before us. 
Paul and Timothy experienced abundant life when they saw people responding to the gospel on, mission, on the missions trip. This world, this generation needs to hear the gospel message. They need to hear that there is freedom from captivity, from bondage. They need to hear that there's freedom from anxiety and depression and fear. They need to... They need to believe, they need to know that there is forgiveness of sins and shame is no longer a thing. They need to hear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody can come to the Father except through them, except through him. They need to know that he will meet you, he meet them where they are, and that he doesn't require perfection, just a surrendered heart to him. If you are here today and are following Jesus, pray that God would put that person that you need to speak to in your mind. Go to the Get Connected table, the welcome desk. Get information on ministries where you can get plugged into. Kids ministry, youth ministry, young adult ministry, special needs ministry, prayer, care. Become a mentor at the Jericho Partnership. There are so many ways where you can find abundant life in this next generation. You need, we need to take that step Together as a church, it will be life-giving. And I wanna, I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up as I conclude. But we need to be a church that seeks after the lost, the vulnerable, just like Paul did with Timothy. We need to be a church that sees this generation as brothers and sisters and coworkers in the preaching of the gospel, just like Paul did with Timothy. And we need to be a church that embodies the Great Commission to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them the ways of our Lord, just like Paul did with Timothy, and then Timothy did with others, and generation after generation until it brought all of you here into this room this morning. And so if you've heard this gospel message and have not moved on it, I pray that you would this morning. There's freedom from captivity, there's freedom from sin, and it's a free gift that Jesus is offering. Let me pray. Lord, we, we thank you that you speak to your people. We thank you that you are not a God that has spun this world into orbit and has forgotten about us, but you're here with us right now. And you care deeply and intimately about us. So I pray that you would pierce the hearts of your people this morning. Would you move them to surrender their, their lives to you or even just parts of their lives that are not yet surrendered? Would you highlight things in their lives? Would you bring it to the surface of their hearts, things that they need to, to get rid of in order to follow you better? Lord, would you highlight people in, in everyone's lives, even as they walk out these doors today, younger people, older people that need to be poured into, would you highlight those people in, in all these people's lives this morning? And would you fill us with your love and your peace this morning? Would you allow us to approach the, the foot of the cross? We thank you for everything that you're doing in, in this next generation. And we pray that, that this would be a generation that brings about revival in this area, God. And I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.